Have you ever been at a place where you cannot sleep because your mind is racing over a challenge or concern, something that causes you to be fearful, perhaps feeling anguish, shame, and your mind is spinning because you would like to fix it and you realize you cannot. So you lie there, fixated upon the issue at hand. You're in need, desperate need, of comfort. You need direction. You need assurance that it's going to be okay. So you begin to cry out and say, God, are you hearing me? Are you here? Am I to remain in this anguish, in this situation? Is it ever going to change? Is it going to turn out in a good pattern, in a good manner, to a good end? You ever been there? There's been a few times during the last four months where I could not sleep. Making decisions according to a a rule book I've never seen before, experienced before. Cannot go to a mentor and say, hey, how did you do this in 1918 with the Spanish flu? There's a lot of things that have left me maybe at times like, Lord, <laughs> what do we do? How do we proceed? How do we go forward? Are you hearing me? And that's just with making decisions. How about those who over this last several months have lost jobs? Income flow is stopped. Relationships are separated. Some of you even know people that have contracted the virus, have been sick, fighting it, but you cannot go visit. You can't encourage. We've seen more people struggling to fight other health issues but cannot receive the comfort of others. We have seen many things unprecedented in our lifetime. And it can cause sleepless nights, I'm sure. Asaph, who was one of the writers of the Psalms, King David wrote the vast majority of them, but Asaph wrote quite a few himself. And Asaph was a leader of singers for the temple. So he was the worship leader. He was the one that was to schedule those who would sing according to the daily practices of the temple. Asaph is having a moment where he is in anguish. There's some kind of peril around him, and he cannot sleep. You sense a bit of desperation in this psalm, and it gets very real. And I believe it can speak to us today. You see, this is a psalm that I have used probably more than any other 
when counseling people who are going through a difficult time and they feel that God is not hearing them, God is not at work, and they feel abandoned, and they need something to give them confidence that God is indeed there, active and caring. Would you turn in your Bibles or to your phones to Psalm 77? While I'm reading it on the initial part, you'll probably need to use a device to read. But I'll be reading it again with the lights returned back on, so just preparing you for this moment. Psalm 77, in the words of Asaph. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in his anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind and your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path. Led through the sea. Your ways were through the mighty waters, though your footprints could not be seen. You led your people like a flock 
by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. God, you are holy. You care. And you want to hear from us. And in the way Asaph cried out to you that night, when he could not sleep, and you turned his heart from desperation to a place of resolve, because of the story of your character comforted him. And God, I don't have any clue what might have kept people here in this room from sleeping recently or may have troubled their hearts, may have filled their minds where they tune out conversations nearby. But God, in this moment... Would you speak to our hearts and help us to know more about how you operate in the midst of our storms? So we dedicate this time to you, and may our ears hear that what you want us to hear. In your son Jesus' name I pray, amen. What a prayer. What a prayer. Asaph was distraught. It's not known specifically what it was that he was stressed about. It was not known if this was in a particular lifetime. Some have considered that perhaps this is a different Asaph. We just don't know. But it's not the point. He was distressed, he was in anguish, and there was something perilous surrounding him. He could not sleep. So where do you turn in a moment like that? You turn to God. You see, what I think is extremely human is that when we are at our most fearful, distraught point, It is natural, human, to cry out to God. I've quoted this before. In the 90s, General Schwarzkopf made this comment. He says, I've never met an atheist in a foxhole. Why is that so? Because when you're in the foxhole, that means there is fire going over your head. Explosions coming, going off nearby. Your life is in peril, and you're distraught. And in your moment where your end could be the next second, what do you do? You cry out. You cry out to God, even a God you may not know. It's natural. It's instinctual. Because God created us to know he's there. And even though we can do a lifetime in denial of his presence, in that moment when mortality is knocking at your door, you cry out to God. God, help me. Hear my cry. That's what Asaph did in the night. 
He cried out in verse 1. I cry out to God for help. I cried out for him to hear me. Been there? When you consider your lifetime, has there been that moment when you were so desperate, you just said, God, hear me. Hear me. Help me. So we say, as he says in verse 2, So in my distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. There was a night not too long ago where I was not able to sleep. At this point, I can't recall which stress of the day kept me awake. But something I said or did woke my wife up. She heard me in my distress and calling and, and I could just tell that she understood the moment just by the way she touched my shoulder. There are just times and for whatever reason when we lie down our minds are able to grasp the moment. That is why often the Psalms speak of from the nighttime. The clarity of at night when the darkness cuts everything out and you're left to your mind and what little you see is created by God. In this moment, Asaph is undone by whatever is going on. So he cries out to be heard and to be helped. His anguish grew to a point where he was desperate and he, he needed to turn because probably his thoughts were going dark. So what does he do? He recalls the past moments with God that gave him comfort, gave him confidence that God does care and that God is listening. Look at verses 3 to 6 says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked. Before giving you his questions. In this moment he is realizing that he's becoming filled with despair. He's clinging for anything that will change his countenance and cause him to be more positive. So he begins to draw upon the things of the past. You see when we are exhausted we can be comforted by memory. How many times have we heard in the good old days? In the good old days when this happened. Somebody said to me recently, remember the good old days, apple pie and baseball. And I just think, remember the good old days when you could get in a car and go somewhere and dine. This past Monday, my wife and I, usually on my day off on Mondays, Go to lunch together. 
we decide, you know what, it has been a long time. It's time. Let's go do lunch together, thinking this will be easy. So we identified the place we were going to go, only to show up there and realize that it's only for takeout. So then the moment happens, well, I don't really want to do takeout. I want to go inside. I want to sit in air conditioning. So we came up with another place that my wife had eaten at just the week before with somebody else. We show up there, and they had changed their policies as well. Curbside only. So it's like, okay, I'm sure this other place will have it. So we drove there, only to see that they have new hours. They're not serving lunch. We're only doing dinner. Now we're getting desperate. So we're like, well, I heard that this place is open. So we drove there, and sure enough, it was open. And we were offered a seat, and we sat down, and we ate. And I looked at my wife, and I said, we did not drive 10 miles, and it took us 45 minutes to find a place to eat. Oh, the good old days. You so you see in this moment that Asaph is longing for something that will cause him to be comforted. So he draws from these moments when he wrote his songs, which were often at night and usually in the context of something significant. Either God showed up in some powerful moment and he's writing about it or a moment where it's like he felt the presence of God like no other and he wrote those songs. So he goes back and he goes, I remember those nights, the good old days, when God and I were like this. In verse 4, he says, I'm now at a point where words can't even express how I feel. But looking back, in verse 6, he basically acknowledges, by looking back, I long for what was in the past to now be in the present. You feeling me? Don't we long for even what was six months ago? Wishing that things were like that? It's powerful to recall the past. But like anything else, when you look back, guess what happens? You start longing for it to the point where you question the present. Questioning the present. I mean, who has not done that in the last 20 minutes? I mean, when you look back and you think what we were able to do just five months ago and what we're not able to do now, it causes you to long, but it also then means I have lots of questions. So what does he do? Verse 7, he questions God. Keep in mind, whatever it is that's causing him to despair, he is so desperate to hear from God and he's cried out from God, but yet seemingly God is silent and to him, it feels like God is not caring. So he asks a list of questions. Will you, Lord, reject me forever? Will you ever show your favor again? Has your unfailing love vanished forever? Has your promise failed for all time? 
Have you, God, forgotten to be merciful? Have you, in your anger, God, forgotten how to be compassionate? Now, what's interesting is that Asaph's prayer was allowed to become scripture. And he challenges God pretty intensely. But I might make a case here that questioning God is essential, yet dangerous. Questioning God is essential, yet dangerous. What do I mean by questioning God is essential? The reality is that when you are in distress and you are in a difficult moment, you will cry out and you will ask questions. But if you do not ask those questions to God, then who are you asking the questions of? Yourself? Other human beings? Case in point, why questioning God is essential yet dangerous. Many people today are crying out because they're under financial stress like no other time before. They're under a season of loneliness and disconnectedness like no other time as before. They're desperate. And when you choose not to go to God, you choose to go to social media. And you ask your questions there. And then what does that produce? It produces more questions and more anger, and it just becomes a vicious cycle. Let me tell you, I believe it is the most foolish thing for somebody who knows that God is a caring God, and that God is a present God, and that God is an active God. I believe it to be the most foolish thing to be using social media as your place of asking questions about the present. All that happens is a stirring up with no hope. That context is dangerous. You see in Matthew 27, Jesus asking and challenging God with questions. And yet he referred to him intimately as father. One with God was not something he struggled with. But yet he still asked questions. David regularly in the Psalms questions God. So when is it dangerous or sinful to question God? As one commentarian said, it's when you challenge his authority, his sovereignty, or you demand a direction. Then questioning can become sinful. But if you do not go to God with your questions, you will ask them, so where do you take them? So the reason why I say that questioning God is essential is because then you're going to the place where answers can be found and hope can be delivered. So Asaph's questions, consider them. Will you reject me forever? Am I beyond repair? Am I forever outside looking in? In other words, have you left me? Is your love truly, God, you know, you say your love is unfailing. Is it truly unfailing? Do you really keep your promises or are you going to keep your promises? Are you still merciful? And just 
if it wasn't enough, he says, in your anger, God, because that's what he's sensing is God must be angry. In your anger, have you forgotten how to be compassionate? These are true thoughts, true musings of the heart. But he's not done. Because keep in mind, he cries out to God. God, hear me. God, help me. And then he's like longing for the past. I wish my time with God was like it was back then. But then that only exposes the moment and he doesn't like it. So he asks God these questions. But he doesn't like where he's at. He's asked the questions. But he also knows there's something inside of me that says, I know the answers to every one of those questions. Yes, God is merciful. Yes, he knows how to be compassionate. Yes, his love is never failing. No, his rejection will not last forever. <laughs> I am not beyond repair. He will come back. Why does he know that? Because history tells him that. Which is what he does now. Not only does he long for the past, but he now starts to recall the past specifically. And it changes his countenance, which is what can happen for you and I when we begin in the midst of our doubt and our questioning of God, that we draw from the past and we begin to realize those are emotions. Questions based on fleeting thoughts. The truth is, God never changes. Let's begin by reading again in verse 10 how you can see this shift going on inside of Asaph as he's now recalling the past. He's questioned God, but he wants to turn the page and have hope. So he says, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. Your ways, God, are holy. And what God is as great as our God? He's already turning. You can see it. You are the God who performs miracles. You are the God who displays the power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God, and the waters then wreathed, writhed, and, and then the very depths then convulsed. The clouds poured down water, and the heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth, and your thunder was heard in the whirlwind, and your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. And that is where your path was then revealed, and it led through the sea. Even though your footprints were not seen. You see, recalling the past provides clarity for the present. Who can know what's going to happen this week? For now, we're going to do such and such. Only to discover a few hours later, can't do that now. 
So when you're in the midst of a blurring storm, it's in these moments when maybe you begin to question God and you question his presence, you question his care, that you need to take a look back where there is clarity of truth. So he does that. Asaph goes back in time and he looks and says, you know what? God's consistent historical actions towards his people reveal his character. God's consistent throughout history in the way he cared for the people of Israel shows that his historical actions towards his people reveals that his character never changes in spite of mankind. His mercy is proven over and over. His promises are always kept. And his love for the people is evident and inarguable. So if you question that God's love is starting to fail you, you need to look back in time. When he showed love and you didn't care to respond. But you can look back in hindsight and realize God showed love even when you didn't love him back. You see, when you look back at the people of Israel, you can see that God saved his people even when they were running from him. Consider the story he's recalling here, that they are fleeing Egypt after God had presented his power through the ten plagues. Clearly, God was displaying his majesty. But it didn't take long before they would forget because as soon as they got out, next to the sea, and this big sea is in front of them, a body of water that's impassable, and then they see the cloud of dust coming up from an army that is pursuing them. They forget the powerful hand of God. In fact, they curse God, and they curse Moses and said, you have led us out into the desert to die. What did God do? All right. You don't believe me anymore? I had shown you my power over the last few weeks. I'll just let you die then. No. Why? Because God is merciful. God's love never fails. And his promise to Abraham will be kept. You see, to every Jew that had followed that time throughout the generations, it was inarguable that God truly loved on a people that had rejected him. God also knew that he was going to be sparing and saving that people that were going to walk across that sea. And as soon as they walked across, watch the armies of Pharaoh be destroyed. They're going to come into the desert. And as soon as Moses was gone just a little too long, they make an idol out of gold in the shape of a calf and worship it. God knew that too. Yet what did God do? He saved his people even though they were running from him. And they were going to continue to run from him. But you also learn from watching the story of the Exodus that that God delivers even when it seems like all is lost. Who would have thought? We can look back in hindsight. Well, of course God's going to split the sea. That's the best way to do it. But if you're part of the nation of Israel and you're encamped next to the sea and you've got an army coming to you, you're like... What is God going to do? Resurrect the boat that Noah had? 
How are we going to get across this body of water? How are we going to fight? We have no weapons. God did the unthinkable. He created a path. They walked and ran across it in fear. So much so that while it's an incredible wonder seeing the walls of water on each side and the fact that they are running across the bed of a big ocean and big sea and realizing it's dry ground, they could not capture that moment because there was fear riddling them. But for the writers, later, as Asaph is doing here, he looks back and says, even though they could not see God in the moment, we can look now and see clearly God cared for them. God heard their cry, and God was with them as they went across that sea, even though his footprints could not be seen. So for us, how is it that when we go through a hard and difficult time, when it may seem like God is not hearing you, may seem like God is so distant, may seem like your prayers are not being heard, You're starting to question God. You're starting to question his mercy. You're starting to question his power. You're starting to question whether he he truly loves you. You're starting to question if he's ticked off at you. Starting to question if there's any compassion within him. Can you not, in that moment, look back and say, history teaches me differently. It tells me a different story. Even though I feel like God doesn't care, history says... No, God cares. And he cares even when I don't care. And when I don't see that he's there and active, history says God was more intensely active in the moments that I feel like he's not active. History teaches me God is there. So in your despair, when you might feel like every prayer I'm praying feels like it's hitting the ceiling, You need to stop, look back in time, and let history and the Word of God teach you that your emotions are misleading you. Because the truth is, God is merciful. God's love never ends. His compassion is always there. And He will work in your life, even when you do not see Him. There will be a day you can look back And you'll be able to say, even though I didn't feel him or see him in that moment, I can look back now and say, he carried me. Let's pray. Father, I know that this day is a difficult day for many. I ask God that as we consider this text and we look forward, that will not let this go away. That will seek you, will ask questions of you, will pursue you for answers. And when we doubt, that you will help us recall the past where your character is revealed. Teach us, Lord. In this moment, I pray. Amen. So the charge to you is this. In your desperate moments, cry out to God. Don't cry out to man. Don't make your rants happen on social media. 
Do not seek social media for the answers. Don't go looking after some prophecy that you may have missed. Go to God. Go to God. And be honest with your thoughts. He can take it. And when in the storm and you can't see clearly, consider the past. Let it be your teacher. Because sometimes our emotions cloud the thoughts. And clarity can come best to some moment outside the storm. And as this song says, keep walking with God because he is there and he is at work. Amen. So thankful that we can say that the mercies of God are new every morning. Every morning they're new. And that he's faithful. We've just sung a song that says, I'm confident in his promises. I am confident that he is faithful. And we know that. Why? Because history tells us that. Our experiences have told us that. The word of God is there for us to be able to guide us in the midst of times unexpected or unprecedented. The word of God is always relevant. And I'm thankful for the Psalms because they're, they're written out of the cries of the moment from the heart to God. And I believe God gives them to us because it gives us permission to be human and to realize there are just moments that you feel despair. And so having read this, I just would be encouraging to you. Like I know for those of you here in this room, you cannot go and do discussions right now real easily because you got to go somewhere. But those of you at home or listening by radio, you can do this right now, but I would encourage those in the room to do it later. What stories from your life can you draw from that gives you confidence that God's love is unfailing and his mercies are new? Share the stories people in your family may not realize what you draw upon to find confidence in the moment. It's an opportunity to testify to God's work in your life over the long history of it. So share those stories, what you draw upon to be able to find comfort in the present times. And let God use that to encourage not only your soul again, but those that are listening to it. Having said that, Go out these doors knowing that God wants to hear from you and that he is merciful, he can handle your questions, and he wants to show that he cares. God bless. Enjoy this week with a different smile on your face than last week. Amen. Smith.